listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radios, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman, and we're joined here today also with your co-host, Andrew Bruff. Today we have a really special guest. He is actually the co-founder and managing partner at Four Oaks Capital. He's also the host of the Diary of an Apartment Investor, and he's an active duty Marine Lieutenant Colonel that currently works at the Pentagon. Uh, Really excited to have you here. Brian Briscoe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Sterling. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Andrew. So, Brian, can you go ahead and just kind of, you know, tell us the backstory, how you got into real estate investing, what attracted you to it, how you kind of started to transition from your your day life to moonlighting as a real estate investor? Yeah, yeah. So, how I got into it, you know, I think it's very cliche, but it's that Rich Dad Poor Dad book, you know. So, you know, long, long time ago, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and, you know, he said, buy income producing assets, you know, and followed it up by cash flow quadrant. And I'm like, okay, I want to be B and I, I don't want to be E and S, you know? So at the time, you know, my, my mindset, you know, was not really where it needed to be. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the idea of purchasing commercial real estate, you know, and it was in his books, he does talk about commercial real estate. He talks about that being one of the best methods to build wealth. And so I, I did what I, what I could and what I could actually understand. And I started buying single family houses active duty Marine by trade. And so every two to three years I'm moving. And so what I basically set out to do is every time I move, buy another house. You know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And when I say that, you know, sometimes when I moved, I bought something, sometimes I didn't. But anyway, over several years, you know, I had a, a handful of rentals. It wasn't a large portfolio by any means, you know, three is, is the number. But I realized, you know, a couple of years back, you know, this is probably like 2016, you know, still active duty Marine Corps. I'm, I'm deployed somewhere to the Middle East. I have more time in my hands than, than I knew what to do with. And so I started revisiting this real estate thing. I'm like, you know what? I really need to double down on this. I had compared, you know, the $25,000, you know, and when you get owner-occupied loans, you know, for a single family, it's just, you know, amazing how much money a bank will give you to buy a house. Right. You know? So I looked at the $25,000 that I had between the, the properties put down and, you know, what the properties were worth versus, you know, the $100,000 or so that I had invested in retirement accounts and stock market over the years. And the returns were just lopsided. So ended up making a whole lot more, you know, annualized, as far as annualized returns and just dollar value, ended up making a whole lot more on the real estate investments. So so I started thinking, I need to be able to do this faster. I need to be able to scale. I mean, three houses is never going to make anybody financially free, you know? So anyway, I started looking at other things and spreadsheeting. And what I didn't want to do is have to buy 60 single family homes, you know? And I, I kind of spreadsheeted it out. And until I started paying off mortgages, it was going to take 60 homes to be able to have the passive income that I wanted. And I started scratching my head. I'm like, okay, you know, two per year, that's 30 years. I'm like, mm, you know, that's, that's way too long. Three per year, that's 20 years. That's still way too long. You know, I started, you know, just thinking, okay, there's got to be a better way. And anyway, I came across a book on multifamily and what book was it? It was a bigger pockets book. And I, I should know the name of it. Everybody asked me, I should know the name. It's something like, how I bought a 24 unit apartment with little or no money down or something like that. Okay. It's got Brandon Turner on the cover sure. with 
you know, a very small beard, not that yeah. you know, very long, well manicured beard he's got now. But uh, whenever I see that small beard pop up in my newsfeed, I know yeah. they're repurposing content from 2016. Yeah, you know, and that that was the year I read that book. So it may have been like a 2016 book. It was a quick read. I remember it was like, I think I paid like 99 cents for the Kindle edition, you know, and ripped through it. I'm like, you know what? He's on to something. You know, and I started thinking a 24 unit apartment building, buy one, get 23 free is what I started thinking, you know? And then I started thinking the other thing. I'm like, okay, if I buy 24 single family homes, I have 24 roofs, 24 air conditioners, 24 of everything. You know, and I just started looking at the, the economies involved. You know, if I buy a 24 unit apartment complex, they may all be under one roof. You may have two roofs, you may have three roofs, but you're not going to have 24 roofs. And I just started realizing that the difficulty does not scale with the numbers. I mean, don't get me wrong, buying a 24 unit is much more difficult than buying a single family home. But not but proportionally it, difficult. Proportionally, it's not. You know, it's not 24 times as difficult. You know, maybe three or four times as difficult, but, you know, it's essentially buy one, get 23 free for Brian Briscoe math anyway. So, you know, I got home from the deployment and I just kept on learning. You know, I crushed the podcast trail. I think my, my staples, you know, a couple of years ago, Joe Fairless, I mean, oh yeah, he releases an episode every day. So there's always something new, you know, Michael Blanc, Rod Cleef, you know, I started to just listen to everything they put hey, out. Congratulations. I saw you were on the Rod Cleef uh, show the other day. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I was absolutely shocked that he, he asked me, you know, I didn't reach out to him you know, his assistant reached out to me and it was just like, Wow. And right. speaking of, I record with Joe Fairless in a couple of weeks too. And, you know, his assistant asked me too. So, you know, it, it's something where I've got enough traction where it, it's just amazing. Snow, it's snowballing at this point. I was on Joe's show too, but I had to beg them to let me on. They didn't come find me. So you're obviously yeah. <laughs> much bigger deal. You know, if you would have told me two years ago, if you, you know, I, I didn't have any expectations of being on, I'm, I mean, once upon a time, I'm like, eventually I want to be on their, their show, you know? So yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's an honor, you know, and, and just, just spending an hour on the line with, with Rod Cleef was, was absolutely amazing. I was on the Michael Blanc podcast, you know, eight months ago as well. And, you know, could say the same thing about that. That was an absolute honor. So Anyway, thanks. So yeah, their, their podcast, their content, you know, really kind of kept the fire burning, so to speak, you know, kept the forefront of my mind. Every day I was, you know, driving or riding home from work, you know, I was listening to podcasts. I was at the gym listening to podcasts, podcasts or audiobooks. you know, every free minute I had, I was either reading or listening, consuming content on multifamily. Started touring, you know, a bunch of homes and I, I realized really quickly that just listening to podcasts is not enough, you know, just hearing other people's stories isn't enough. And I, I remember looking at a couple of apartment buildings one day in Idaho Falls, you know, that's, that's where my in-laws live. And I remember walking out of one of these and just scratching my head thinking, how do I know if this is a good deal? I mean, there, there's a price tag on it, you know, what they're, what they're asking, you know. Yeah, you know, it was it was a six it was a six unit. You know, it was listed on you know MLS. You know, and uh, so yeah, there there was a price on it, and I'm scratching my head. I'm just like, yeah, I've walked I've walked through it. You know, I've seen some of the units, and I had no idea. You know, it was it was the answer. I'm like, so, you know, with within 24 hours, you know, I basically bought into an education program. You know, so 
dropped a couple thousand dollars for just a A to Z. Here, here's how you buy an apartment building. So, you know, once again, just started, you know, ripping through that content, learning as fast as I could. And then what I, what I decided to do is, is just turn around and try to share it as fast as I could, you know, so I was involved in a lot of forums, you know, a couple of, you know, Facebook groups, you know, one of the forums that, uh, you know, Michael Blanc hosts and just tried to answer everybody's questions, you know, so, and I'll, I'll be honest at the first, you know, when somebody would ask a question about multifamily, there, there were times that I'd go back to the course, you know, open up, you know, module number two and be like, hmm, hmm, there's the answer to that question, you know, go back to the forum and Hey, this is how you do that. But you know, that, that was actually crucial in, you know, and why I bring that up is it, it, it was one of the keys that it has, has gotten to me to where I am right now, because one of the things that you told me previously that you want to talk about is team building. You have to put yourself out there. You have to be a good teammate to be able to attract other good teammates, you know? And the fact that I was on all these forums, putting information out there, answering questions, you know, doing the best I could to add value to other people who were looking to do this. That's literally how I assembled my team and how I met the people that were, that I'm currently partnered with. So Anyway, you know, long story short, you know, I met a guy named Eric Shirley through one of these forums. We found out that we were actually chasing the same deals. So, you know, he suggested that we try to tackle one of them jointly. And so I said, yeah, no problem. You know, would love, love to try to do that. I was very aware that I needed partners at the time and I was looking for partners. And so when he, you know, extended the olive leaf, you know, it was just a real quick, yeah, absolutely. You know, let's, let's try this out. So, you know, just, just give you wave tops and let you, you know, dial in deeper wherever you want. Ended up getting a 55 unit under contract. This was about a year and a half, just over a year and a half ago. Got a 55 unit under contract. We were able to raise, you know, a bunch of money for it. Closed on that deal. Since then, you know, we've, we've closed on several more. But uh, basically, getting that first deal across the finish line, you know, we, we looked left and right, you know, and said, what else, you know, who else do we need to come into this deal to be able to close it? You know, and by the time the dust settled, there were four of us and we started working with each other, you know, calling each other on a weekly basis or, you know, several times a week. In some cases, we realized that we worked together. Well, we liked each other, our interests aligned, our goals aligned. I mean, it was, it was like a match made in heaven, you know, so end of the day, we decided to create Four Oaks Capital and basically be exclusive to each other as far as, you know, the apartment investing business. And right now, you know, we have four apartment buildings. Um, we're about ready to close on number five. You know, it's end of September right now by week one or week two of October, we should have that closed and under management. So Long story, you know, a lot of wave tops on this one, but uh, I'll let you. you yeah, know. absolutely. And like I was telling you beforehand, you know, the reason people, a lot of times my friends and family and people who don't listen to the show are curious as to why I do a podcast. I'm not selling anything. I, I literally just take this as an opportunity to invite people that I really respect and want to learn from mm-hmm. and, and ask them questions. And I just share it with the, cause like you, I learned everything I know about real estate from podcasts. So yeah. if I'm going to be calling begging for your wisdom, then I mean, it's only right that I would share it with the world as I'm getting it. And when I thought about you and our previous interactions mm-hmm. and the content that you put out and, and the successes I've seen you had, the questions that came to my mind were about, 
balance and team building. Because A, you have Four Oaks Capital, which is obviously there's four of you. And I would imagine that there's probably a story there of some of you had you know, different strengths versus, you know, that supported your weaknesses. I imagine that all four, you don't have the exact same strengths and the exact same weaknesses. So Mm -hmm. I wanted you to elaborate a little bit more about how you built that team out and why you built that team out. Mm -hmm. And then I I would also, I would imagine that that is very closely related to the other topic of balance. You know, Mm -hmm. you're you're an active military. I mean, you work insane schedules. I know that because we've, we've tried to run deals across your desk before and you're like, all right, well, I'll be at work for the next 24 hours and then I'll call yeah. you <laughs> tomorrow night. Yeah. And you're a family man and all, all this other stuff. So I just, how do you do it? I, I find myself running in circles trying to balance the podcast and the day job yeah. and the real estate investing and you just seem to be killing it. So I'd love some feedback on that. Lots of energy drinks, I guess, you know, um, if you had to boil it down to one thing, you know, I, I buy, you know, lots of monster energy drinks, but uh, so yeah, build, building the team, you know, is, is really, I think the, the thing that's been absolutely crucial for me, you know, so my work schedule has, you know, kind of ebbed and flowed a lot, you know, right now it's actually a lot more reasonable than it was a couple of months ago. But just, just kind of going through the process, you know, a year and a half ago, I had a fairly, flexible schedule at work. I mean, I had to go to the Pentagon every day and, you know, we, we have what are called secure areas there, which means you can't bring electronics inside. You know, it's you know, all about preventing information getting out, you know, the, the wrong information getting into the wrong people's hands. So, so yeah, I walk into the Pentagon, I put my phone in a lockbox and, you know, I sit at my desk and, you know, kind of shut off from the outside world. So, Basically, what, what I had to do as far as timing is just be very deliberate with what I did, you know. So, I kind of sat back and said, I need to dedicate time to this, all right. Looked at my schedule and I tried to find find the white spaces. You know, I realized that I sat down on the, the metro on, on a train at about 6.30 every morning and I got to my office at about 7.40 every morning. So, I had about an hour you know, when I wasn't either standing on a platform waiting for a train or walking from the station to the Pentagon, I had about an hour every morning and an hour every evening where I was sitting on a train, you know, so I bought an iPad and I can take an iPad on a train a lot, a lot easier than I can take a, a laptop. So there were two hours a day right there that I could dedicate to whatever was the most important thing at the time. But, you know, I, I made sure I, I had a list of things that, you know, I, I would go over and I would actually plan the time on the Metro. So anyway, that that's one thing that I carved out time. And then inside the Pentagon in the Marine Corps, physical fitness is, is very highly valued. So they give you time during your work day to, to go work out, you know? So, you know, if I'm sitting at my desk and I stand up and say, Hey everybody, I'm going to the gym. Nobody bats an eye. They're like, all right, cool. You know, maybe I'll see you down there type stuff. But I would go down and for my warm up, you know, I'd sit on an exercise bike, pedal really slowly with my phone in hand and tap out emails. I just ended up being really, really deliberate about my time, you know. So during the workday, if I needed to talk to somebody, I'd schedule a call. You know, I'd put it on my calendar and I just, you know, make a note, okay, I need to step outside of the Pentagon for, you know, at 10 o'clock because I have a, a call with Andrew. You know, and I have called, you know, taking calls from Andrew from the Pentagon. But uh, <laughs> um, that's basically what I had to do as far as time. You know, and then I'd get home, you know, six o'clock at night, spend an hour or two or three, you know, with, with family. And then very consistently from, you know, nine o'clock to about 11 every night, I was 
looking at spreadsheets, tapping out emails again, you know, this time on my laptop. So the balance came in just, you know, looking at the white space you have, you know, so what did I give up? I gave up Netflix, you know, I gave up, you know, the stupid little games, you know, the candy crushes, you know, the stupid little games on your phone that you play and all that stuff came to a full stop. So, you know, my, my personal entertainment, if I wasn't sitting with a kid on a couch, I wasn't watching TV anymore. So that, that's basically originally how I found the time. The other part of your question was about the team building. We have different roles and responsibilities. We complement each other well. You know, there's three things you need to do well. You know, you need to be able to find deals. You need to be able to find money and you need to be able to manage your assets once you, once you own them. So shortly after we, we came together as Four Oaks Capital, I mean, before we came together as Four Oaks Capital, I was trying to do everything and I knew I needed a partner. But once again, you know, since I didn't have one, I was just trying to do everything. I was trying to, you know, raise money. I was trying to find the deals. I was underwriting the deals. I was talking to potential investors. You know, I was talking to the broker, to the, to the attorney, to, to everybody. So finding the partners was a lot of help because we sat down, we looked at everybody's strengths and weaknesses. Um, I'm really good at analyzing deals. I've got two degrees in math, you know, so, so numbers work well for me, but because of the timeline that I was on, you know, where I can't take calls in the middle of the day, we decided that Eric would be our, our acquisitions guy, you know, so he'd be calling the brokers, talking to the brokers, getting the deals, underwriting the deals. And basically when it came time to where he's like, I want to put an LOI on this one, you know, then he'd share it with the rest of the group. We'd all look over it, do our own analysis on it. And then, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. So you're really leveraging the partnerships is, has been absolutely crucial, you know, and after we got the first deal, I assumed the role of asset management, you know, because I was the one that found this deal. I was the lead on the underwriting. I knew this deal better than all of my partners. And so it was just natural for me to be the asset manager, natural for Eric to take on the role of uh, acquisitions after that. So but, what is, yeah. what is the role of asset manager entail? So asset manager, I mean, we, we have a property manager who's running the day to day, you know, he or she's doing the lease activity. They're doing the showings. They're doing, all the day-to-day stuff, you know, the asset management is basically managing your, your managers. So we had, you know, a renovation plan. So would forecast what was going on, but essentially think of the puppet type, you know, pulling the strings from the property manager to say, okay, you know, next thing I need you guys to do is X or Y or Z. Okay. Let's, let's start looking at the parking lot to get that, you know, redone. Let's do the windows. Let's do that. So it's, it's just the, executing the business plan on the asset is essentially what it is. But my schedule changed, you know, COVID came and there's a lot of different, you know, groups in the Pentagon that just popped up to deal with the COVID crisis that we had. And I got sucked into one of those, you know? So, and that's, that's the point where you said where I was, I was in the Pentagon a lot, you know, I was working, you know, 12 hour shifts, you know, basically, you know, I'd leave my house at five in the morning, get home seven at night if I was lucky, get, you know, six hours of sleep, get back up and go do it all over again. So when I started doing that, we, we had a team call and it was basically, Hey, I can't, you know, I can't carve out time to talk to the property manager, you know, every Monday afternoon, like we have been. So we flexed, you know, so we, we just kind of changed roles and that's where 
you know, we've basically been in the same roles, you know, since that. So the team is important and it's, it's important that you have good people, you know, to your left and to your right. And, you know, I was fortunate to find some, some really good people. So, you know, now, now asset management is handled by, by somebody else, all the things that I was doing. And, you know, right now my main focus, I'm, I'm, basically the, the director of marketing right now. So I'm doing a lot of the social media outreach, getting on podcasts, you know, whenever I can to get our message out, running our own podcast, which, you know, is, has kind of been a labor of love for me. So kind of transitioned. And then I think the other big thing that, that I'm now working on is, you know, we're working on an educational platform. Okay. We, we've promised a lot of people education through investment. And the bulk of my time right now is spent on building that up to where we can, basically follow through on our promises, you know, so. So elaborate on that. You, you say you promised a lot of people education through investment. Basically, your passive investor saying, hey, I'll invest with you, but I want to learn the process along the way. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we may have been late on fulfilling the promise, but, you know, we're, we're absolutely going to do it, you know. So we, we've had a couple of, you know, of deals. You know, we've, like I said, four under our belt right now. So I'm just creating content, you know, kind of a how-to guide, It'll have, you know, we're going to have like due diligence checklists. We're going to have, you know, a lot of the documents that people need to start syndicating. We're going to start, you know, weekly group calls, you know, maybe a group mentorship type thing as well. But, you know, right now that's, that's my baby, my contribution. And, you know, because of my, my weird and crazy hours and many commitments, that's something I could do basically anytime during the day, you know? So sure. yeah, if I'm, if I'm in the Pentagon and I can't, you know, be on, be consistently on calls with brokers, you know, I can schedule podcasts around my schedule. I can write content, you know, around my own schedule. So that's how we've shifted since. And then, you know, I've got, you know, about 316 days until I can retire and start doing this full time. Awesome. My next question is, first of all, how long between when you decided you wanted to invest in, in larger multifamily properties and when you actually secured your first deal. And what do you think the tipping point was? I mean, you said it in the past about, you know, the podcast weren't enough, the education weren't enough. I always like Brandon Turner's comment about if education was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs. What was it that pushed you over the edge to actually close on that first large deal? You know, so you say how how long? I mean, there there are varying levels of commitment all along the way. You know, so somewhere on the deployment, you know, it was like I'm going to do apartments. You know, yeah. And I started telling people I'm going to get into apartments. You know, but there there wasn't any action behind that. It was just you know continual learning. And I kept on telling people that I was going to do apartments. You know, and I'm, I'm sure some of them were like, yeah, right, sure, <laughs> whatever. You know, but you know, I, I think paying for the courses actually made me commit a little bit more, you know, so opening my wallet and pulling out $2,000 for an online course. I mean, 2000 in the grand scheme of things is not a lot, right? Right. But it's enough where you stop and think, you know, you're like, okay, do I really want to do this? Am I really committed? You know? And I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. Yes, I'm committed, you know? So click the button, did it all online, pull out my credit card, wrote the numbers in and, uh, that was like the first commitment step. And then a couple months later, I'm like, you know, this is, this is all good information. You know, I have enough to be able to do it, but man, it sure would be nice to have somebody looking over my shoulder and open up my wallet again. And I decided to pay for coaching. You know, I would say that that commitment was, was the most significant one because, you know, $2,000, you know, if I lost $2,000, I'd recover really quickly. Now I'm fortunately in a position right now where, 
I mean, yeah, two thousand dollars doesn't doesn't affect much. You know, the coaching course that I got into was twenty five thousand. You know, and that's that's a little more of a commitment and. I don't know that there's something, something mental about sure. making a purchase where you really have to commit. It's, it's a big purchase, you know, so you really have to commit. But from, from the time that that happened to, to our first deal was six months, you know, and that's under contract and it was less than a year to close. So yeah, you know, as far as your question, I, I would say that I had varying levels of commitment and it was just all ramping up and at each step, you know, I try to commit myself a little bit further and, and make it more irreversible in a lot of ways. What yeah. other motivations did you have to, to do this? You know, it's funny. I, I mentioned I have 300 and I think 17 days. I don't know exactly what the countdown is today. Hopefully I didn't, you know, give a different number two minutes ago, but uh, <laughs> somewhere between 315 and 320 days is what I have till retirement, right? I started a countdown. And that was my motivation because I'm going to step away from a fairly high paying salary. Now, active duty military, we get a pension, but it's going to amount to about one third of my current pay. You know, so I'm making this much right now and that number is going to get cut very significantly in about 317 days, right? So I started the countdown and kept that countdown on the forefront of my mind because that's when my salary is going to run out. And that's when the apartment business is going to have to pay for the Briscoe family living expenses. You know, so that's one thing I've done to keep it in, in, in the forefront of my mind. Also on the Metro, the first thing I did every morning was open up my notebook and I had my goals right there. You know, a lot of goals and I'd review them. You know, and the first one of them was talking about replacing my annual income through multifamily investing, you know? And so yeah, just keeping keeping the goal at the forefront of my mind and and telling everybody about it too, you know? So people will, will a lot of times chuckle when I say, you know, I've got 317 days till I retire, but that's so that I keep focused on what my goals actually are. So what advice would you tell yourself if you could talk to yourself at the beginning of this journey? Is there anything you would have done different along the way? You know, uh, I, I think I did the best I could with the information I had in front of me. You know, if I could go back and talk to my, my previous self, you know, it would have been at the time that I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I would have told myself, you can do multifamily. You can do it. You know, there, there's ways to do it. You know, I immediately dismissed it because it seemed like it was too complicated or not accessible to somebody, you know, as simple as I am, you know, or I was, I guess I'm still fairly simple, but uh that's really all it was is, you know, I, I had a really big limiting belief 17 or 18 or so years ago that kept me from doing what I'm doing now because I didn't think that somebody like me would be able to do apartment investing. Absolutely. So what was it that held you back the most? You talk about limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Was it raising the capital? Was it interacting with the brokers, finding the deals? What would you, was yeah. your mental challenge. Obviously it wasn't a real challenge because you've successfully completed it now, but what was your biggest limiting belief around multifamily? I mean, the first one was, like I said, just that I couldn't do it, that it was too complicated to go commercial. But once, once I decided commercial, you know, I kind of thought that nobody would take me seriously until I had a lot of experience, you know, you know, and I started thinking, okay, how do I get experience? And I thought the only way that I could get experience was to go alone, find something, purchase it, 
you know, a six unit or an eight unit or a 10 unit, you know, build my own credibility on my own before people would invest with me. And that's what I started doing. Unfortunately, you know, about two years ago at a local meetup, you know, a guy that I met, he's a retired Air Force guy, you know, literally put his hand on my shoulder and said, dude, you can do this. And he literally, he pointed to everybody else in the room. He's like, look around here. You got a bunch of just average people in here. And a lot of these guys are doing what you want to do. He's like, you can do it. You can go bigger than these little six or eight units. He's like, go for something big, you know? And that, that was one of those moments that just kind of opened my mind, you know? And I, I had talked to a lot of people in that room and he was right. There were a bunch of very average people in there, you know? And some of those guys had, you know, 2000, 3000 units. So it was just like, you know, he's not any smarter than I am. I can outwork him. I can out hustle him. You know, I can probably outlearn him too. So yeah, that, that was the other big thing was realizing that I, I could actually go big and I could, I could bring other people onto the team with me. So what was your, what was your first raise? And, and did you have any challenges with that? Was there any point you were afraid you weren't going to be able to get it together or? Our first raise, we thought it was going to be 1.4 million and we had 1.4 million committed. And basically our, our lender interest rates, this, this was about this time last year, our interest rate went from high threes to low fives in a, in a three-day period. You know, it was all artificial, you know, Fannie Mae hitting their, you know, annually federal limit, you know. So when they got close to their federal limit and the feds were not budging on what they could lend, they artificially hiked up their interest rates. So long story short, you know, we thought we were going to have to raise 1.4 million, but the the bank basically cut our proceeds by a significant amount. So if it wasn't for that, that raise would have been really smooth, but we went from, you know, being fully funded to a week later being like, oh my gosh, can we close? So, I mean, we, we had to sit down and, and really really look at the deal backwards and forwards and, and make sure, you know, I's were dotted, T's were crossed. But what we ended up doing is, is changing the, the investor ownership share. So to, to make it work, you know, we had to raise more money, which dilutes the pot, which decreases the projected return. So what, what we did is instead of giving our investors a 75% ownership, we moved the needle to 90%. So every investor in that deal has a 90% ownership um, so that we could give them basically the same return. End of the day, it ended up being extremely stressful. We had enough money in the bank at closing to close, and we continued to raise money for a couple months after the deal to get our renova- renovation budget intact. So artificially, it ended up being a lot harder than it had to be. You know, uh, timing was just just what it was. So ended up going from a $1.4 million raise to a $2 million raise. Tell us about your mentor in the coaching program. Are they continuing to provide value now or are they? I've got a phone call with my mentor on Monday. I mean, it's uh, so we keep in touch. I have kind of two, two unofficial mentors in, in that program. And between the four of us, we were, we were involved in three different mentoring programs. So we, we have like three different mentors that kind of guided us through that first process, you know, and, at a lot of the choke points. And, and when our proceeds got cut, we literally had all of our mentors on a Zoom call with us. There's the four of us in Four Oaks and a bunch of other, you know, three other guys on the call that all have a lot more experience. 
you know, and we were just how brainstorming is, ideas. How, how was that? Were they like button heads or no. was there any disagreement between them? No, it was awesome. They were all, yeah. they were all in it for us. They all wanted us to succeed and they all wanted us to, to, to be able to, you know, make the right decision. And every single one of them was, was saying the same thing. They're like, look, if the deal doesn't make sense, you know, you need to take your losses, cut and run. But our goal was, you know, let's see if we can get to yes on this one, you know. So, and and the real, you know, the the answer they ended up doing it was, you know, moving from that seventy five twenty five to ninety ten. You know, once we moved from seventy five twenty five to ninety ten, you know, the the numbers all of a sudden were back into green. So, but yeah, there there were a lot of ideas thrown out there. You know, it was just, hey, have you guys tried this yet? You know, have you guys tried this yet? You know, and it was there was no egos on it. It was just all trying to help, you know, the four Oaks guys out and, and get it across the finish line. But uh, yeah, so that the mentors mentorship was extremely helpful. I would say it was like an accelerant is all it is, you know? So I'm confident that I would have been successful without mentorship, but would I be, you know, sitting as a co-founder of a company that, you know, owns almost $9 million in, in assets right now? Probably not. You know, we're going to close on another three and a half million in assets with, you know, a million dollar renovation budget. So, you know, a month from now, that number is going to be about 12 million. You know, so I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I would probably be the guy that has a six plex and an eight plex and, you know, maybe a 12 plex. You know what I'm saying? So I would have been successful. This just allowed me to be faster at getting to where I wanted to go and potentially with, with fewer mistakes. So tell us about your podcast. You know, the podcast like is is kind of a labor of love for me. It's called Diary of an Apartment Investor. And you know, the, the mentorship part, I, I enjoy teaching people. I enjoy talking to people about business and helping people along. And that's how we designed the podcast. So every episode, well, we have two types of episodes. So I'm talking about our Ask the Expert episodes. I bring on an aspiring investor and an experienced investor on each one of these episodes, you know. So just like most podcasts, you know, the, the experienced guest, you know, gives, gives his story or her story and tells us what, what they're doing. And about halfway through the podcast episode, you know, we transition to the aspiring investor, you know, and she or he will tell us what, what they're doing. And at one point I just say, Hey, we have so-and-so on the line here. He's experienced. What do you want to ask him? And it's question answer, you know? So, with the aspiring investors, you know, I have them write a list of questions that they want prior to coming on the show. I try to match them with the right person, you know, so it's, so if it's somebody who needs help raising capital, I'll try to match them up with somebody who's really good at raising capital, you know, so the idea is just to help aspiring investors. And I think a lot of aspiring investors are, are getting a lot of value out of it. So yeah, that's the podcast. It's done phenomenally, you know, compared to a lot of other podcasts with the same you know amount of time and it's honestly the multifamily podcasting market it's, it's a very niche market you know it's not like you know joe rogan you know who appeals <laughs> to everybody anyway so yeah that's that's the podcast awesome so re- real quick just to hop into our radio round to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better what's your favorite book favorite book andrew's gonna like this one the book of mormon <laughs> is the answer to that one yeah Yes. That that is my favorite book. Awesome, yeah. great book. So, what's yeah. your favorite quote? Um, Will Rogers once said, "Don't wait to buy real estate. 
buy real estate and wait, you know? Okay. So I, I think it just gives you a really good, I mean, that, that's just how real estate works. It appreciates in value over time. So, you know, instead of waiting, you buy it, you hold it and boom, you know, make a fortune. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Is there outside of work? No, I was, um, I was wondering. The same thing. <laughs> yeah, my 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 family. You know, I, I try to try to do as much as I can with the kids. You know, but you know, right right now it's like I have two two full time jobs. But on a daily basis, you know, I, I try to sit down with my my kids and, and just do something with them. You know, whether it's you know watch a video with them on YouTube. You know, put an Xbox controller in my hand and play something on Xbox. You know, I try to try to spend a, a little bit of time with each one of my kids every day. Awesome. Awesome. So Brian, you're the, you're the marketing guy for Four Oaks Capital. So tell us how can we find out more about you and Four Oaks? You've already told us about your podcast. Where else can we get in touch with you guys and learn more about you? So fouroakscapital.com is the website and our podcast is actually on that website as well. It's fouroakscapital.com slash podcast, you know, pretty easy. That's the best place to learn about us. I'm also most active on LinkedIn. I probably post five, eight, 10 times a week on, on LinkedIn and interact with a lot of people there. Also have a, a monthly networking group, third Monday of every month. You know, usually are posting information on that on LinkedIn and Facebook and a weekly meetup that I run as well every Friday. Same thing. You know, look, look for me on LinkedIn if you're interested in any, any of that. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a ton like I knew I would, and I'm sure our, our listeners will as well. I yeah. uh, really appreciate it. And we'll definitely be following your journey. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate your guys' time. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.